This is No BS Job Search Advice Radio, episode 2030. I'm your host, Jeff Alton, the Big Game Hunter, and welcome. Today, I have an interview with Michelle Tillis Letterman about the advantages of being a connector and how it will benefit you throughout your career, particularly in your search. At the end of the interview, Michelle has a promotion that she, uh, she's offering. Just you know, if you decide to cut away, just go to the end, the last uh, minute or so of my interview with her and uh, pick up the promotion. I think it's a worthwhile one. Hope you find this helpful and give it a great review wherever you listen to the show. And now let's get going. So my guest today is Michelle Tillis Letterman, one of Forbes' top 25 networking experts and the author of four books, including the internationally known The 11 Laws of Likeability and her latest, The Connector's Advantage, which is what we're going to be focusing on today. She's a connection creator and CEO of Executive Essentials, which provides customized communications and leadership programs for Fortune 500 firms and other substantial organizations. And she's appeared on a host of different networks, NBC, CBS, Fox, NPR, the New York Times, CNBC, the usual suspects. Michelle, thanks for making time today. I really appreciate it. How are you? I'm good, Jeff. Happy to be here. I'm glad. It'd be terrible if you weren't happy to be here. (laughs) So, connector. What's a connector and why do we care about that? Uh, (laughs) I love that question. A connector is simply somebody who prioritizes relationships in everything that they do, in all of their interactions, professional, personal, across the board, the relationship comes first. And that's a really simplistic way of thinking about a connector. Um, But why we care is because connectors have an advantage in whatever it is they're working on, whether it's a new job or promotion, getting a client, uh, you know, even health and happiness, you are going to get there faster, easier, and better as a connector. And that's what the advantage is. Faster, easier, better results. I mean, we don't have to do it the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I tell a story in the beginning of the book about how some things have happened for me. And I really, uh, people always go, oh, you're so lucky. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not lucky. I'm a connector. (laughs) <laughs> and and it's those relationships that enable things to happen. Can you tell us the story of how it happened for you? <laughs> well, I think one of the stories I tell is, is when I got laid off um, right after 9-11, you know, with the rest of the world, uh, you know, and, and I was doing great. I had great reviews. It was just everything was getting slashed left and right. And so it was a Monday. I got laid off. Tuesday, I cleaned out my desk. I called my friend from business school. He said, come work here. I mean, I wasn't calling for a job. I was calling to say, hey, let's go out and get a drink because I just got (laughs) laid off. And his response was, come work here. And that was on a Tuesday. I went to his office Wednesday. I met with his boss on Thursday. I started the following Monday. I know for me, when I worked in search, so many of the referrals I got to institutions came about as a result of a relationship with one person who got to know, like, trust, and respect me for what I could do for them. And they said, by the way, have you ever spoken with so-and-so? Let me put the two of you together. Yep. And, you know, the thing is that um, a lot of companies have internal referral programs where if you are working for a company and you bring somebody in, you refer them in, you actually get the commission rather than a recruiting firm because they trust the people that are already there 
to know who would be successful there. So it's actually not just to your advantage to make those connections, it's to their advantage as well. And 85% of jobs at any level are coming from networking. I find that one stunning because the number I'd always heard was 70. I knew LinkedIn had, had upped it to 85. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it doesn't surprise me and I think what's fascinating is also in the original number of 70, of the 70%, 70% of them were 49% in total came as a result of introductions to people that you networked, knew who you didn't. Yeah. And if it's at the executive level, that number goes even higher. It's 90% plus at the executive level. You're not getting the big ticket jobs unless you know someone. <laughs> it's, it's the original social proof, you know. In, in the Stone Ages, when I started in recruiting, it used to be the old boys club. And the old boys would all know one another. They went to the same schools and uh, they referred one another. Yep. There's, a, there's a women's club as well now. But more importantly, there are ways that we can connect with people in order to develop those relationships and impressions. So there's lots of different ways of being a connector. What do you recommend for people? When you coach someone at an executive level, how do you train them to be an effective connector? So what I talk about are the seven mindsets of a connector. And I'll list them out and you can choose whichever ones you wanna focus on. But um, these are the mindsets that help enable you to prioritize relationships. So we are um, open and accepting. Connectors have a clear vision. Connectors believe in abundance. They trust, they're social and curious, they're conscientious, and they have a generous spirit versus the non-connector personalities who are miserly in so many different ways. Um, Clutch, hold on to, rather than be generous. It's the opposite of abundance is scarcity. And, and that's really one that people focus on a lot because especially in the job search, there's this scarcity mindset I need and I need to protect and I shouldn't tell anybody this and somebody's gonna go take this out from under me. Um, you know, we take these very defensive protective stances and I understand it. Scarcity is tangible, right? Um, it, it makes sense. I understand scarcity probably better than anybody else. And I tell the story in my book about kind of growing up with scarcity. And it's a shift not to say everything's fine. It's a shift to say, I believe in the possibility of it being better. I believe that there is enough to go around. And so I take a mindset of, I don't have competitors. I have a lot of strategic partners or alliances. And if I am, you know, going after a job and I don't get it. What I would do at that point would say, you know, tell me what, you know, what it was that I didn't have. Maybe there's somebody I know, right? Or where do you think I would best fit in in this organization? Because sometimes you weren't applying for the right job, but there's some, somebody else that you'd be great for. And you might get referred, you know, to that other person. But also if you build that relationship and you help them find somebody else, you do favors, that generous spirit that we're talking about of, of giving, then you've built two strong relationships. And you know what? When we think about connecting, we're not in a short-term perspective. We're thinking long-term. You don't know where they're going next. You know, <laughs> you don't know who else they know who's looking. And so it, it's really about a non-linear uh, spirit, right? It's not, I give you, you give me. Right. And one of the fun places where people really wrestle with this, I know, is when they talk to recruiters. It's all about me. Get me in the door. And even when you, they're not able to, because there's a skills deficiency or 
some knowledge about you that makes them not interested or some other reason, mm -hmm. there's a reluctance to refer for fear of that fill in the blank, the thousands of different fears. And I think that's probably the biggest inhibitor to why people are reluctant to be connectors. Is that what you see? I don't know if people are reluctant to be connectors. I think it is um, that, that sometimes that scarcity mindset takes over. Um, sometimes it's that they don't have a clear vision, right? That's why there are seven mindsets and they, they enable each other. It's hard to have a generous spirit if you don't have a mindset of abundance. Right. Yeah. And it's hard to get the advantage of faster, easier, better results if you don't have a clear vision of what you're going for. And the difference between a connector and a networker doesn't sound radically different, except networkers seem to be more transactional versus connectors have a mindset that is, it comes with being a networker. Right? You know, you I, I've always hated the word networking. It has the word work in it. Like who wants to do it? You know, uh, and, and my, my publisher said I had to use the word networking in my first book because it was for SEO. And so when my brother-in-law came to my office, I was finishing up the Connections Advantage and he's like, oh, another book on networking. I'm like, no, no, this book is on connecting. He's like, well, what's the difference? And I looked up at him and I was like, that's a great question. And I, and I thought about it for a second. I said, well, networking something you do, but a connector is who you are. And I think that's the mindset difference that I want people to take away is that oftentimes when we think about networking, we're flipping a switch. We're going, okay, I now go to this networking event. All right, now I'm going to hand out cards and I'm going to do this thing, right? Versus a connector is always in the mindset of the relationship and of connecting to others. And, you know, it could be on the playground. It could be, you know, when you're volunteering for something. It could be when you're running at the park. It, I mean, I met somebody at the dog park and ended up hiring her. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> so let's talk about these mindsets uh, and give people a sense of where they might fit in um, into these attitudes. And maybe we can talk about how you can grow into a next level mindset from that position. That good with you? Yeah. You know, and what you just said actually made me think of the connector spectrum. And it might be helpful for us to explain kind of the levels of <laughs> connector because you were saying grow into, uh, you know, and one of the things that I want people to recognize is probably everybody who's listening to your show is already at some level on the connector spectrum. They're not non-connectors, right? That's a very rare breed of people who don't value or believe in the value of relationships who um, are really just kind of reclusive, right? At, at a minimum, people are emerging, right? They're emerging connectors. They see the value, but they're not really confident in their skills, they're not really employing those skills yet, those mindsets. Then we have the responsive connector. So when you're a responsive connector, people are asking you for introductions, people are asking you to connect, people are asking you for favors, and you are responding, right? So you are actively responding, but it's only when somebody else is doing the initiation. If you wanna to get to the acting connector level, and this is a great target for, for most people, you wanna start initiating as well. Don't just respond, but initiate. Be thinking, how can I help this person? Be thinking, who would they want to connect with? Be thinking, who do I want to connect with? And who can help me connect with those people? So being a little more proactive and initiating will get you to that acting level. Now- I'm gonna pause you there for one second because I want to work with, with this one since this is the one that you consider the initial aspirational category. So put me in that position. 
I'm attempting to connect. I'm a coach. I help people find work. I do career coaching, so I help with uh, transitions for people. And if you are encouraging me to be a more effective connector, let's assume that all I'm doing is waiting for the email to come in from someone who wants help. That sound like a lot of you folks. What could I do differently? As the coach or the candidate? Uh, I'm going to be the, the candidate trying to find additional situations. All right. So as a candidate, um, what you want to be thinking about is, um, you know, I'll give you some tactical things that you can do, is to continue to support and nurture the network that you have and expand, right? So if we are just being in that responsive acting level, then we're really focusing on the, the network that we have and making sure that it is, is strong. So I want you to maybe spend 15 minutes a week on LinkedIn, find five new connections a week, send five notes to people that you already connect with, engage with them on social media, that's one place you can do it. Maybe make uh, five phone calls a week, maybe send five emails a week. So it's just, you don't have to do big things, uh, but like yesterday, somebody popped into my head and I immediately texted her saying, I'm thinking about you, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And then we got into a text chain. Uh, you know, somebody emailed me after 15 years and we got on the phone for an hour and a half. So it is about not being afraid to do that reach out, um, you know, and, and to just, uh, you know, make those new connections on LinkedIn are great too. But I want you to make sure that you're nurturing the network that you have. And I want you to always do this. Ask this question in whatever you're doing. What are you working on? You know, how can I help? You know, where's your focus right now? Or who do you want to connect with? Any one of those questions is going to tap into your generous spirit and your willingness and desire to add value to somebody else. And when you do that, the connection strengthens and it extends. It's so funny. As you were talking about this, you reminded me of someone I knew many years ago, the first woman commodities broker at the old Merrill Lynch. I say the old Merrill Lynch pre-financial collapse. And she had an audio tape, you know, a little cassette tape of the top performers at Merrill Lynch at a junket in Hawaii when that used to happen. And they had a speaker coming to talk to them. And he said, I want to teach you how to increase your book by seven to 10% in three seconds. Is there anything else I can be doing to help you? That was the simplest question in the world. And it really was about service and about help. It wasn't saying, can you give me more business? It wasn't transactional in that way. It was just the friendly question designed to deepen the relationship a little bit more. Yeah. And and I don't want to get sidetracked. So I want to take you from yeah. the spectrum, but I do want you to be able to answer that question as well, right? I, I want you to pose it, but I want you to have an answer for it. And that's that clear vision, right? Because somebody might say, Oh, thank you so much for asking. What about you? How can I help you? And if you don't have, oh, no, 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 no. That's not what we're trying to do either, right? You can have an answer. You can say, well, you know, right now I'm focused on connecting to people in this industry or, you know, hey, I'm really thinking about a job with this company and would love to talk to somebody, you know, anybody who works there. And, and as I think we all know, relationships come out of give and take. <laughs> but it starts with the give. Yeah, and it's, it's give without expectation. Um, but if they invite the question, make sure you have an answer. Great. So we've covered two of the spectrum. Could you repeat the first two again so everyone has them? So from non-connector to emerging connector to responsive connector, all the way up to the first target, which is acting connector. And that might be as far as people need to get. Mm -hmm. The further up the spectrum you go, the 
faster, easier, better the results can be. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not, I am a, what you call a global super connector. So I got a job in literally three days after I got, you know, cleaned out my desk. That's rare. Um, When we start to think about two other levers we can pull, one is the depth of our connections. So how deep in a geographic region, in an industry, in a function can we go, right? Somebody knows, oh, she knows everybody in town, or she knows everybody in media, or my sister knows everybody in, um, you know, uh, that's an HR professional or whatever it might be. So having that depth in a certain area, that's called a niche connector. When you start to have breadth, that's when you are a super connector. So the breadth could be up and down the ladder, um, cross demographics, geographics, uh, function, uh, industry, right? So you know, I got a guy, right? You always know somebody. (laughs) That's that super connector. And when you know people beyond your country's borders, then you're a global super connector. And I I love these descriptions. And I'm right back up to the niche connector because, you know, thinking of my own background in search where I have specific expertise, that becomes a niche connector. Someone who has in-depth knowledge around some subject that allows them it's I'm not sorry. just the subject, it's the people in that subject, right? right? And you are definitely. <laughs> Thank you. And specifically around job search now uh, and career transition, but again, different conversation. And then we elevate to getting breath. Yeah. And how does someone become more expansive when they've been, I don't, I don't want to say siloed, but they've oh. self-created the silo. I love that. And this is so important right now. And, you know, I wrote this book about, you know, it came out over a year ago and it is probably more um, relevant right now than ever because the last section of the book is called expand and diversify your connections. And I talk about how to be an inclusive connector and with the social unrest and with the polarization of our country, it is so important to think about how do we expand and diversify? Because when you have diversified thought, you actually make better decisions. You make more innovative decisions. You make faster decisions. Um, when you are open to other ideas and you have that relationship, you are seen as more innovative, more credible, more trustworthy. So yes, it's so important. And by the way, before I forget, I have a quiz so people can take a little quiz. You'll put it in the show notes to figure out what level they are so they know how to get up to that next level. So if you are thinking about that expansion, how to be inclusive, there's certain mindsets just in that but you want to make sure that you are putting yourself in places to be social and curious and other mindset with people that are different than you. Um, and one of the tips is to have a host mindset. Wherever you are, whether it's in person or online, have a host mindset. Invite others into the conversation, especially those that might not be using their voice or those that might not look like everybody else or those that might have been there for the first time. So by making other people comfortable, by inviting them in, I have a a friend, another author, he says that every time he goes to a conference, he looks for the person who looks the most out of place, goes over and introduces himself and asks if they'll sit with him. And I just love that. It's just simple little things to, to, you know, and and he does it because I think he's always felt like the unicorn and he wants other unicorns to feel, you know, part of the group. Um, but you know, I, I love the idea of just looking for somebody who you don't normally get to talk to and just start a conversation. I remember the days when we could meet in person. Remember (laughs) remember back in the old days when we actually met in person, one of the, 
one of the classic scenarios was, you know, you're at some version of the conference, whether you're the speaker or just another attendee, having the host mindset might be walking over to that one person at the large table, seated by themselves and sitting down next to them, but first asking, can I put my plate down for a second? Or can I get something for you? As part of the simple question that starts the conversation that allows you to break the ice with someone because they can say, oh, I'm saving that. Okay, fine. Uh, but it opens up a door to conversation with someone who you don't know and allows them to feel comfortable with you. I love the smile on your face because I know you got something going. <laughs> um, I love that you said that because I have a story and it was, I don't know, maybe two years ago or something like that. I was at the National Speakers Association Conference. It's like 1,500 people, a huge conference hall. I, you know, it can be very overwhelming. And it was probably the first time I had gone in years. And I, um, I saw this woman sitting alone at a table eating lunch. And I walked over and I said, nobody should be eating alone. Can I join you? And she said, absolutely. I sat down and we started chatting. Turns out this woman was sitting alone because she was tired of being bombarded by everybody because she was the founder of TEDx. <laughs> uh, and, and when she told me that, you know, 20, 30 minutes into our conversation, I was like, she's like, yeah, I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, so you wanted to be alone. And, and, and at one point, somebody who knows me took a picture of us from another table. She was holding my hands. And he sent me a text going, how do you do it, Michelle? You know? <laughs> and she said to me, she said, you know, I was happy to have lunch with you because you came over for me. You didn't come over for you. And, and there, folks, is huge takeaway. If you haven't caught this yet, pay attention. You know, it's give first, care first. I had no idea who she was. I just didn't want to see somebody eating alone and I you know, wanted to give them company. And I love her, we're still friends. We talk about kids, it's, you know. <laughs> perfect, absolutely perfect. And notice folks, this isn't hard. It's about caring about other people and having conversations with them about where they are, not about, I need, I need. And going back to that miserly uh, spirit that I spoke about earlier of being, I'm, I'm going to use the New York term that if you want me to translate folks, I'll do that, the mooch. <laughs> you know, the yeah, you know, um, th there is something about, um, and I think of it as being hungry. I know that when you're in a job search, sometimes you feel hungry and that could be a literal hunger and that could be a figurative hunger, but it's, it can kind of feed that desperation, it feeds that scarcity mindset and it feeds, you know, you call it the mooch or the miser. I just want you to think about the fact that, um, focus on what you're full of, right? Like focus on the fullness of what you have and what you're grateful for. And when we practice gratitude, that actually helps us embody the mindset of abundance. And, you know, this has been a really challenging year. I mean, God, you know, 2020 has not been easy for, anybody. Even if your business is doing well, it's still been a difficult year, socially, emotionally. We've all had losses. We've all given up things that were important to us this year. And so, you know, when we think about um, practicing gratitude, it's 
it's a shift. It's going like, oh, you know, my son had to do his bar mitzvah virtual. Oh, we had to cancel this vacation. Oh, right. Or I can say, oh my God, I am so grateful every day that my kids are old enough to manage homeschooling. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful that I have my dogs that cuddle me. I'm so grateful that we have a, a deck outside that we can sometimes work outside and get fresh air. I'm so grateful. Like, I mean, I just can list and list. I can fill up your whole half hour with things that I'm grateful for. And so it's an idea of focusing on that will enable you to try to start to reach that you know, mindset of abundance because that really is going to flip a switch for you and how you interact and how you connect. And folks, it's kind of like opening up from a clenched fist to an open hand and being- like open hug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting with baby steps. <laughs> We work up to the hug. If someone has a clenched fist, we're not getting to a hug instantly. But we start the small steps that change things. Like any change, it's a new habit. Try it. See what works. See what doesn't work. Experiment. What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to be back in the same position anyway, but you might not be. And I give a lot of practical to-dos and what I call mindset missions in the book so that they can implement the concepts. You got one you're willing to share today? Come on, Michelle. Uh, sure. So one of the mindsets, you know, one of the, I guess, arguments people always give is I don't have the time, especially now. Like I've got the homeschooling, I got the, 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 I don't have time. I get it. <laughs> like I really, really get it. It's my, my major excuse as well. Um, but there's a lot of underutilized time in our life. And I'm not talking about downtime. I want people to have their downtime, their relaxation time, absolutely protect it. But, you know, when we were commuting, and some people still are, that's kind of underutilized time. When we're in food coma, right? So there are certain energy levels of the day that go up and down. When you push yourself in a down energy, you're not productive. So when you know you have down energy, and I know after lunch, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm dragging. That's a really great time to clean up your email, to send a few notes. Fridays from 4 to 5 p.m. is the least productive hour of the work week. That could be your hour for connecting, right? So, you know, think about the things that you already do. So, for example, I said I could take my dog to the dog park, right? I might invite somebody to go to the dog park with me. I go to the gym. I've had meetings at the gym or at the diner after the gym because I have to eat breakfast anyway. I've had business meetings getting my nails done, you know? <laughs> so if you think about the things that you're doing already, invite somebody to do them with you. And you find underutilized time. There's so many different ways and places that people can experiment with this, even during COVID uh, and all the other justifications. That's the polite way of saying rationalizations that people use to not be connecting. Now, I'm curious, during these times where it's a little bit harder, do you have one suggestion that, that people can implement uh, since they can't necessarily tag along with someone or have someone tag along with them? Do you have one suggestion you might have for, for folks? I don't think it's harder necessarily. It might be a little harder for new people, but I think it's actually that's the reason because people always say, I don't have any reason to reach out. Well, yes, you do. Just say, how you been holding up? How you doing? How is your holiday? How you feeling? I mean, anything like that, thinking about you. Right? That's all you need to do. So it's really easy right now. Um, and I will say that, you know, we have a group in my town and we have, we have one guy who is like the uh, cruise director, right? From the love boat. I'm dating myself, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> 
And he has done a 80s, 90s trivia night. And now we're doing a game night and we've done birthday dinners. And I've had people in my backyard when it was still warm enough, um, college reunions and high school and business school. And, and so it, it's kind of like everybody wants that right now. So it's really easy to say, hey, let's do this. Create something, pick a date, invite people. And even if it's online, people show up. Yeah, you know, I, I walked into this, the um, excuse scenario imposing it as being harder. I know for me, I'm talking to lots of people. And as we're recording this, it's last day of November 2020. And we're entering, or have just entered, the pre-Christmas run-up, which historically is the easiest time of the year to network. Uh, people are more generous. Start with the people who you can text, uh, who you haven't spoken with in a while, reach out. Do that hi, how are you? How are you holding up conversation? Expand it, as Michelle has suggested, and um, you know, reconnect. And then don't let it go fallow. So what haven't we covered yet that we really need to, Michelle? Because in your typical direct-to-the-point, fast-paced manner, we've covered a lot already. What, what haven't we covered that we really should? Um, you know, one of the things I want to circle back to, because I know we talk a lot about the job, but one of the things about the connector's advantage, it also um, impacts your health and happiness. And I, I don't want that to get lost because I think that's also something that's impacting people a lot right now. And social isolation is an epidemic in this country and has been so amplified by social distancing and quarantine and COVID. And there's a greater impact to your mortality for being socially isolated than there is to smoking 15 cigarettes a day for 10 years and equal to obesity, right? So eat all you want, smoke all you want, but make sure that you're out there being social. <laughs> um, you know, and so social isolation is not the right word. We have physical isolation, but we don't need to have social isolation. So, um, you know, when we think about happiness, one of the studies, uh, it was a Gallup study on engagement showed there's 12 questions that really uh, direct to whether or not you have an engaged employee. One of those questions is, do you have a best friend at work? When you have close work relationships, your productivity is increased, your happiness is predicted. I mean, it is a 50% increase in that productivity. So if you wanna be happier, if you wanna be healthier, just get connected. And folks, it starts with courage. Because for many of you, you're frightened to do it as though some boogeyman is going to come out and get you. They aren't. Um, just take the first step. Follow the other person's lead. You'll get there. Take time, take more steps. And I love this interview, Michelle. How can people find out more about you, the work that you do? I know I'm gonna have the uh, link to the quiz in the show notes, but tell the folks about the book, how they can get it, and uh, the special that you're running. I actually do have a book special. So the best place to find and connect with me is starting on my website, which is Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, Tillis, T-I-L-L-I-S, Letterman, L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. So go there. And from there, you can get everywhere else. So you can link into me. Uh, you can find my YouTube. I do video series. I call them success shorties. I'm four foot 10. We won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> Uh, so it's a play on height as well as the length of the videos. I have a blog, lots of free content there. 
If you join my community, you will get a video series, you'll get free chapters from the book, you'll get different assessments, all for free. That's right on the main page of my website. But I'm also doing a book special and I want people to have the gift of connection. So I want you to be able to gift this book of connection to somebody else. I put in a signed copy, a personalized note, a bookmark in a cute little package and I ship it off um, as a gift from you. You can get that uh, and you'll see it below at my website slash gift dash of dash connection or something like that. But the link will be in the show notes. So that's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, here are a few more ways to get information and advice from me. First of all, visit my website, which is TheBigGameHunter.us. Go to the blog. There's a lot there to help you. In addition, if you need interview advice, I've created a course called The Ultimate Job Interview Framework, available as a video on Udemy.com. That's U-D-E-M-Y.com, or available as a paperback or for Kindle on Amazon, and will help you stand out in a great way on your interviews. Also, if you're interested in my coaching you, there's a button on the site that says Schedule. Schedule time for a free discovery call or schedule yourself in for coaching. I will love to help you. I'm able to help with regard to interview preparation, leadership coaching, salary negotiation advice, making a good decision between different offers, anything related to improving yourself in the workplace. If you have questions for me, you can schedule 15 minutes with me at TheBigGameHunter.us forward slash live, or an even less expensive way is at TheBigGameHunter.us forward slash video answers, where you can leave a message for me and I'll respond with a three to five minute video. Please financially support the podcast by clicking the button below and pledging whatever you'd like. I really appreciate it. Finally, watch me on TV. Download the Job Search TV app for Fire TV, Fire Stick, or Roku, or BingeNetworks.tv for Apple TV and 90-plus smart TV platforms. I'll be back tomorrow with more. In the meantime, I hope you have a great day. Be great!